The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Welcome to the Tabernacle. How's everybody doing? My name is John. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. And uh, you picked a great day to be with us. We actually have a special guest um, that is with us. But uh, before we do that, we're going to take our offering here in a second. Uh, But before I ask the ushers to come and take the offering, I just want to say two things. Number one, for those of us um, that are Christians, this is part of our worship. Just like we just sang about pouring out our praise to Jesus, right? He gives us breath in our lungs. We give back to him out of love and worship. And so make no mistake, we're going to keep saying it because we're, as Tim, uh, or as Pastor Tim says, we have built-in forgetters that when we give in the offering, our tithes and offerings, it's not to keep the lights on, it's worship. It's worship. We give back to God because he's given to us first. Secondly, I want to say, if this is not your church or if you're visiting for the first time, this offering is not necessarily for you. This service is our gift to you. We'd love for you to be a part of our church, but feel free to let that bucket go right on by. So I'm going to uh, ask the ushers if they'll come and they'll take the offering while I'm actually introducing our speaker um, Adrian Dupre is with us today. Many of you uh, heard him uh, at our wild game banquet either on Thursday or Friday. How many went to the wild game dinner this this year? Yeah. Okay. So you know he's really, really boring. Amen. And uh, Amen. you're going to have a hard time stay, staying awake. So I hope that you uh, drank a lot of coffee. You know, I know that's not a great... Dude, you are. You're just boring. I'm just sick of it, bro. Amen. Right? Amen. Um, no, uh, actually, uh, buckle up. I hope you brought some energy. Um, and we are the 10 o'clock service here at the, you know, at the Buckley campus. Uh, he's going to need some interaction. And I promise you that if you don't interact, he will hurt you. <laughs> and he can, <laughs> right? So I got to meet Adrian uh, 27 years ago. Uh, when I was uh, right out of college, I was the head coach of a soccer team. And he was uh, a spiritual emphasis uh, week speaker at the university that I worked at. And uh, um, made a friend, and uh, he challenged me. He challenged me and my wife both in our faith. And uh, I believe he'll challenge us today. He's a part of Forge, which is an itinerant speaking ministry based in Denver, Colorado. He's not from there. He, he lives in South Carolina. He'll, you'll hear the accent real quick. Yeah. Um, but it's also the ministry that I get to be a part of when, when I travel and speak. So uh, we're in for a real treat today. And what I've asked him to do is we're in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, if you've been reading ahead, we're in the Passion Week. Jesus is in Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion, and he's teaching. And this is a long chapter, Jesus' words that we can't avoid, and it's all about what's going to happen at the end of all things. Now, you can either choose to be freaked out by what I'm about to read, or you can choose to do something about it. Make sense? 
We, at, at the tab, we believe there's no waste of words in Scripture. And if Jesus said it, he meant it, we need to listen up. So with no further ado, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to open uh, to chapter 13 of the book of Mark. Adrian has asked me to actually read the passage so he can come in all guns blazing. So here we go. Chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, And he came out of the temple, or as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. (laughs) Oh, dear. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its lights. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. 
As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight... Or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Tabernacle, let's welcome Adrian Dupre. Adrian, help us stay awake. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, last time I was here about 1,400 years ago, uh, I jumped on Johnny's back. Y'all remember that? Broke him in half. Bless his heart. I thought soccer players were strong legs. What, 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 I didn't say nothing. Listen, uh, what a blessing, honor, gift from God it is for me to be in y'all's church. I love you. I praise God for you. I need you to know that a second verse when it said no rock will be on top of itself. I was in Israel this past June. And I saw that. I saw the rocks that are still there today that have tumbled over from when the, uh, from when the Romans destroyed the temple. The rocks are still in huge piles around that temple. And I don't mean little rocks. I mean as wide as my arms and as tall as I am, big, huge, square, cinder block rocks are tumbled in a huge pile. And that verse came to my mind. I cannot wait to share with you what I'm getting ready to share with you. But before we get into that, my name's Adrian, but my wife's name's Lisa. She's five foot four, comes up about right here. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. Did I do this when I spoke at the Wild Game Banquet? Yes, that's right. Who's your daddy? Uh, 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 she has blonde hair and blue eyes, and, and, uh, uh, and she is a, what did I say? Righteous Fox Cha-Ching. I just think men should brag about their wives. You don't understand what I'm saying? This big guy over here with the beard looks like Kenny Rogers. Listen to me, you, that guy, listen, look at it. Can you give me a little pop? Just give me a little pop. Just go ahead. Give me a little, just give me a little pop. Just give me a little, just go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's possible for you to be a man and love your wife. It's not a sissy fight thing. You know what I'm saying? Come on, guys. So we're going to practice. I want all the married men to stand up. Take your time. Hurry up. All the married men stand up. Come on, guys. Yes, don't. Don't hesitate. Uh, do we have anybody engaged? Anybody engaged? Engaged guys, raise your hand. Want, what does your shirt say? Your shirt says Buckeyes. What does that mean? Right, raise your hand. Raise your hand. <laughs> he wore it. Welcome to Myers. Okay, so raise your hand if you're engaged. Where's my engaged guys? Engaged guys. Uh-oh, nobody engaged. Okay, bless your heart. So here's what we're going to do. All the married men who are standing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice right now. And listen, I want you to practice strong. Use your diaphragms. I'm going to give you five seconds to think about what you're going to say. Then I'm going to give you ten seconds to brag about your wives out loud all at the same time. Whoever is the loudest gets a major award. Fragile, a major award. 
That's a, that's a funny show. Okay, so, so when I say go, you got listen guys, the first service, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was just what, it was the, ah. Come on, Michigan, what are you doing? This is Michigan. This isn't some woman's conference, but if it was, it'd be okay. I'm just saying, it's not. I just got scared. There's a little red dot on my chest. <laughs> so, so when I say go, you got 10 seconds. Come on, guys. Use your diaphragm. Brag about your wife. Show these young men as possible. For you to be a man and love your wife. On your marks. Get set. Go. That's good. Good. Turn it up. Five seconds. Come on. Start. Go. Finish strong. Three. <laughs> All right, good job, guys. Sit down. That was pretty good. Who was the loudest? I couldn't tell who the loudest was. All I know is one man down here said she's a good cook. Don't say that. She probably is a good cook, though. So good job. That's why I'm so big. Uh, uh, who was loud? There was somebody loud over there. I think it was you. Hand the bar guy. I can't see. Is that Grant for real? It's Grant. <laughs> All right, Grant, here's your major award. You ready? Attaboy. (laughs) Listen, man, I I used to pay. All right, I'm rolling up my sleeves. We're going to get after this right now. Uh, We're going to break this stuff down. I cannot wait to teach you. I will say this right now. This end time stuff is serious. It's going to come quick. It's going to come sudden. It's going to shock every one of us if we're alive when it happens. And when he read, don't go down off the roof, don't pray that it's not winter in Michigan. Seriously, you know what happens in South Carolina when it snows? Everything shuts down. No more milk in the stores, no more batteries, bat, bat trees is how they say it down. No more batteries, no more, no more water bottles. Every generator on the block is sold. Every generator in Home Depot and, and, and Lowell, Menard. I mean, all of them are gone. When they call for snow, school is closed. I mean, it snowed four feet yesterday, didn't it? I saw four feet of snow out there. I'll sit out there going, snow, glorious, snow. Listen, pray that it doesn't happen in the winter in Michigan. That's what it says right there. Pray that you're not pray. I saw a little baby, baby, little baby right there. Uh, listen, uh, 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 this is a serious stuff. When it happens, it's going to be like a shoot. that's going to come from the east. And for those of you watching in Tokyo, it's going to start there. And then we're going to come over this way. I'll just say this right now. I got chills coming up on my body. This is going to happen quick and, boom, and it's going to be fast. And it's going to be intense. We're going to start with, we're going to do four D's this morning. Number one, I'm going to define the terms to help you understand what's going on here, to break it down for you. I don't know how many of y'all have grown up in a church. I didn't really grow up in church. I'm going to give it to you on the bottom shelf. I'm a bottom shelf cookie guy because I played football in college. The lights are on and no one's home in my house. I'm a couple bricks short of a load, few fries short of a Happy Meal, elevated and go to the top floor. You understand what I'm saying? I got a 770 and the SAT combined. Don't make fun of me. So here's my point. But you probably understand what I'm saying, don't you? Like, you got that look about you, big. Okay, so, so watch this right here. Let me just say, I'm going to break it down, define the terms. All right? And put it on the, so we can all enjoy it. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to decipher the times. I'm going to try to figure out what's going on right now to see if it's a, see if it's or soon, don't know for sure. We're going to analyze that. Then I'm going to talk about delighting in the suffering that we might experience. 
I had a long talk with a guy named Louis Giglio. You may have heard of him. I told him your definition of passion, a multi-million dollar industry, bless his heart. Your definition of passion is all wrong. He said, come on, Adrian. I said, your definition of passion is the amount of suffering you endure to achieve a goal. My definition of passion is different than that. It's the amount of suffering you would delight in to achieve a goal. Not just get through. And he said, we got to change the whole definition of passion now in that industry. I said, you right. Who's your daddy? Okay, so then, uh, so delight in suffering. Then the last D we're going to study this morning is you have to make a decision. If you choose to follow Christ with everything you've got inside of you, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to cost you everything. If you choose not to, it's still going to cost you everything. The only difference is who gets your everything. Jesus who loves you so much that he died for you or Satan who hates your guts and wants you dead. Ladies and gentlemen, either way, your life is going to be spent. My question is, who do you want to invest in? I want you to understand it's going to happen. This end time stuff is going to happen. Let me break it down for you and put it all set up right here. We got the Old Testament right here. If you're taking notes, or I should say, since you're taking notes... Okay, good, okay. In your mind, is what I meant. When you're taking notes in your mind, the Old Testament's right here. They're going to draw a little line right here. Old Testament's the first two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. Then you have Jesus on the cross right here, intense time, church age right here. But we're going to be discussing this period of time right here called the tribulation. The tribulation is seven years long. First three and a half years, second three and a half years. It's called the Great Tribulation. The seven years long, it happens after the church age, all right? And then after the tribulation, it's seven years of suffering, seven years. It's the megaphone of God, C.S. Lewis says, telling the earth, one last chance, one last chance. I think there's going to be a couple billion people saved. I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you guys have ever studied or looked at this kind of information before? Raise your hand if you know anything about the book of Revelation or anything about the uh, end times or maybe read the Left Behind series. Raise your hand if you read the Left Behind series too. Okay, good. So, so watch this now. So about half of you are privy to what's going on here. So I'm going to break it down and make it simple for all the football players in the house to understand. So here it is. By the way, how many football players do we have in the house? I just want to see. Come on, raise your hand up. You're a big guy. You probably hit somebody though. So watch this now. So... So you have the tribulation right here. Then after the tribulation, you have what's called the judgment seat of Christ's judgment, where all Christians are going to be judged for the deeds of one on the body before we get into the thousand-year reign called the millennial reign. After the millennial reign, you're going to have the great white throne judgment, and then there's going to be a new heaven and new earth. At the great white throne judgment, all non-Christians will be judged. There's different levels of hell, and there's different levels of rewards in heaven, and it's very, very intense. I know I just opened up a can of worms there. Sorry about that, John. Take care of it later. <laughs> okay, so, so here it is. So that's defining the terms. we got the terms here. Now, here's where it gets tricky. I took an eschatology class. Eschatology comes from the Greek word eschatol, which means to it means end times, what ha- what's going to happen at the end. It, eschatology is a study of end times. I took a class on that in seminary. The first third of it was at the tribulation, the rapture. What is the rapture? If you got your Bibles, it's going to be in Mark chapter 13, verse 26 and 27. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven, to the ends of heaven. 
So that's going to be the rapture. The rapture is not a biblical word. Rapture is like the word Trinity is not a biblical word. It's not unusual. Like Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The concepts in the Bible and what we do as theologians is we give a word to what the concept is. And that's what happened with the word rapture. So if you say rapture is not in the Bible, it's not going to happen. Well, that's, that's not the idea of what's happening right here is all Christians are going to be taken up into heaven all at the same time. The sea will give up its dead. I don't know what that's going to look like. It's going to come out of fish, I guess. But all I know is the sea's going to give up its dead. I'm sorry, that was gross. <laughs> the graves are going to give up their dead. Christians who are alive are going to we'll be able to dunk on the way up. It's going to be awesome. It, we're, it is, and, and it's going to be great and awesome and powerful. But when does that happen? Seven years of tribulation, it either happens at the beginning called pre-trib. Do any of you know, have you ever heard the term pre-trib before? Raise your hand. I want to see who I'm talking to. Are any of you pre-trib people in the room? Raise your hand if you're pre-trib. You see, his hand went up quickly. Johnny, what are you? Do you even, are you allowed to say? Okay, okay, watch this now. Oh, you're with me, aren't you? You're, okay. So my wife is pre-trib. My, okay, I heard that. She's pre-trib. She's a godly, holy. She has a three-hour-a-day quiet time. She gets up at four, and she gets done with her quiet time at seven. She teaches precepts ministries about this subject. She's taught the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation many times. She's forgotten more about this stuff than I know. So my wife, a godly, holy, brilliant woman, is pre-trib. Now, there's a verse in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10 that says, God will keep you from the day of suffering, the time of suffering. Keep you from. That word keep you from in the Greek is takao day, which means to take it away from. It'll keep you from it. So preacher people use that verse to explain how the word of God says that we're going to be taken out before the tribulation. Then my pastor, mega church in South Carolina, godly, holy, righteous man, Book piles in his office that he's a he's a voracious. I don't know what the word voracious means. I have to use it for therapy because I'm you know the issue. He's a voracious reader. He reads a ton. I don't know, but he read. He is mid trip guy. He thinks Revelation three ten, where I'm going to keep you from the great tribulation, means the great tribulation happens after the second three and a half years. So you're going to be taken out out of the, halfway through the tribulation. Brilliant man, godly, holy man. I am a post-trib guy. Sorry, brother. Anybody else post-trib? Any other men in the house? I see. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding, man. Welcome to Myers. Okay, post-trib. Post-trib, the verse of Revelation 3.10, we're going to keep you from the great tribulation, means that while the tribulation boils and the, and the different things are happening, the bowls and the different things, we're going to be kept from that while we're on earth. Just like the Israelites were kept from the different plagues in Egypt, we're going to be kept from the, 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 the different plagues that are going to happen during the tribulation. So all three people use the same verse to prove their point. That's what's interesting about this concept. We don't know. He might come back before. He might come back in the middle. He might come back after. We don't know. We just know he's coming back. And he's got to come back. My coach at, at University of South Carolina, I was a chaplain for the University of South Carolina. I was Lou Holtz's chaplain for about seven years. And Steve Spurrier's chaplain for 10 years. Spurrier comes up to me. He's a funny guy. I don't know if you guys know who that guy is. He's a famous football coach. He says, Preacher, what do you think about that movie 2012? Uh, 2012 is a movie about the apocalypse, the end times. I said, you mean what do I think about end times biblically, coach? He says, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think about end times? I said, well, coach, listen carefully, because this is very important for you to hear. Please understand me when I say this. End times. 95% of all scripture, 
the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, 95% of all prophecies have already come true. All prophecies, all the way through Scripture, 95% of the Scripture's prophecies have come true. The last 5%, I promise you, I'm not a gambling kind of guy, but I, I, I would bet my bottom dollar. No, no, no. It's more like invest my bottom dollar that the last 5% are going to happen. It's going to happen. So it's not a leap of faith. It's not a leap of faith. Oh, I'm just going to step off blindly and hope I float. No, it is solid ground. The last 5% in the book of Revelation are going to take place. The, the abomination that causes desolation, some little guy is going to be in the temple it's going to cause some nasty things to happen and he's going to have powers and there's going to be all kinds of stuff happening then you're going to have two witnesses here and you're going to have it's going to be intense it's going to be 144,000 sealed uh, Jewish evangelists for me all the different tribes of Judaism and they're going to be great evangelists and I think a couple billion people are going to get saved but my question is if it happens while we're alive what are y'all going to do about it if it does, I want to live as if it as if it's, uh, could happen today. It's cloudy. We're in Michigan. The Bible says it's going to happen on a cloudy day because the clouds are going to be rolled back and he's going to come. So it's cloudy. Is it not cloudy? Is it ever not cloudy here? In July. Okay, good. So it's not going to happen in July. Just kidding. But my, I mean, he could make clouds and put them to separate him. So, uh, 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 so listen, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I want you to know it's going to happen. So let's, let's, let's figure out what we're going to do now. So let's decipher the times. You don't know this. Have you ever heard the phrase, red skies in the morning, sailors take? Red skies at night, sailors? Did you know that's a biblical term? And who said yeah? Yeah, you knew there was a bit in the Bible. It's in, it's in Matthew chapter 16. You know what Jesus uses it for? He uses it for us today so that we can know the signs of the times. Like when you see a bunch of vultures out there, he uses this as well. You see a bunch of vultures out there, what does it tell us? It tells us something's dead there. That's what it tells us. And he uses red skies in the morning in Matthew chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Red skies in the morning, say, let's take a morning. Red skies at night, say, let's delight. Jesus uses that concept right there to help us get ready to know the signs of the times. Well, what are some of the signs? Until 1982, we had no chance of understanding the prophecy that said that the witnesses are going to die in the streets of Jerusalem at the mid-trib point, right at the mid-trib point, at the mid-tribulation, mid mid-trib, when, with the two witnesses, we don't know who those guys are going to be, probably Elijah, Moses and Elijah. I told God I would volunteer to be one of the witnesses if he needed me. I'm serious about that. I mean, I don't care if I get killed by the Antichrist. That's okay with me. Spend eternity in glory. It's going to be awesome. So, so, so. So there's going to be two witnesses, and the Bible prophecy says the whole world will see them. Now, how is the whole world going to see two witnesses? They're in Jerusalem. You can't see them from here, can you? Until 1982, when CNN was brought out. The whole world is going to see them on CNN. But some of you are thinking, what about Outer Mongolia? I was there in Outer Mongolia. We took a jeep ride from Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia, five hours through nothing. No road, no nothing. You know, I don't know if you know what a marmot is. It's a slash between a prairie dog and a, uh, and a groundhog. Uh, 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 a marmot came flying by, and the driver was Mongolian. It was going, runs over it. Gets out and says, I know what that translated. Dinner. 
He cooked that thing with a blowtorch that night. <laughs> and I was eating it. <laughs> all kind of hair in there. <laughs> it was delicious. Okay, so all, uh, 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 that's I me. Mean, we're talking about out there in nowheresville. We didn't see a road or a house or anything for five straight hours. You understand? That's the end of the earth. So when we're out there, we go, we take, uh, uh, we had five Jeeps. Four of the Jeeps would go four different directions every day and find two tribes each. And we'd show the Jesus film. We had a 67% conversion rate. One adult man was sitting there screaming. Uh, the, 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 he was the village patriarch, jumping up and down crying, this is good news, this is good news. He was just screaming and crying and dancing and celebrating. He got saved. He was screaming. First time he'd ever heard about Jesus in his entire life. And he was jumping up and screaming. And then he gets serious and looks at me and goes, why did you not come for my dad? And I went, who? It hit me pretty hard. But you need to know something about this village. Every village we went to, every we went to like 30 different villages. Everyone out there in nowhere, the end of the earth, had a giant satellite dish. Every village. Every gear. A gear was a slash between an igloo and a teepee. Every gear had a giant, I'm talking 72-inch, plasma flat screen TV. Every one of them, 250 channels. The kids are playing plays, playing Fortnite. How do you know what that is? Can I get an amen from any of the middle schoolers out there? Okay, good. So, so watch this now. I mean, it, in other words, this prophecy could never have happened until 1982 when CNN came out. There's no way. The prophecies, let me explain to you, are lining up like crazy. In Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, it talks about a star called Wormwood. It's going to fall to the earth and cause a third of the earth's waters to become bitter. Now listen, I'm just going to give you a scratching of the prophecies. We don't have time this morning to go through all of them. I mean, there's an enormous number. There's a guy named Joel Rosenberg who wrote a book called Epicenter. Did you catch that online? Epicenter, who's your daddy? Joel Rosenberg wrote the book called Epicenter. Great book. He's a, he's a chief legal advisor for Netanyahu, the, the prime minister for Israel. And he's, he's a messianic Jew, which means he got saved. He's a Christian, but he's a Jewish guy too. And he wrote the book about end times based on uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37 and 38, Gog and Magog. You don't need to know those names. are pretty deep stuff. But he wrote a book about it, how it's all lining up perfectly. And he did it on paper clips, uh, newspaper clips, headlines of newspapers all over the world. For the first time ever, the, the, the bear of the north, which many believe is Russia, that's talked about in Scripture, the bear of the north who hated the Iranian, that, that border between Iran and Russia, war after war after war for 2,500 years, and there's no way that the prophecies about those two joining against Israel could ever happen until Putin signed an agreement, a treaty with Iran, and said, we will give you your, your uh, uh, nuclear power, nuclear technology. Listen to this. Is, I mean, listen to this. That president said he wants to destroy the United States. And Russia said, we will give you nuclear technology if you give us oil. And for the first time in 2,500 years, there's a union between those two countries. The scripture says they join against Israel at the end times. 
I mean, it's over and over and over again. That, that star called Wormwood, you, you probably never heard of this place. Wormwood in Chechnyan Russian is the word Chernobyl. Anybody ever heard of Chernobyl? Raise your hand if you heard of Chernobyl. Nuclear power plant to burn. I mean, listen, that's still going on, guys. They just put a concrete sarcophagus over it to contain it one more time because the first one was being eaten up and they only had inches left of the concrete. So they put a second one over it that's larger than the Hoover Dam, more concrete than the Hoover Dam. I talked to a, a nuclear physicist on the uh, 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 on the flight one time, and he gave me all the details. And it was a massive. Nobody knows about it in the United States. None of the media got over there to see it. But it was like a massive concrete tomb over top of it to try to protect it. And right when it got on top of it, I'm telling you, Johnny, right when it got on top of it, that thing exploded again, and the concrete sarcophagus kept it in. One of these days when it explodes, they said it'll be a thousand times worse than the first time. It'll get up into the jet stream. A third of the earth's waters, I think, are going to become bitter. Let me just say, decipher the times. We are closer now than we've ever been. I'm going to tell you when that's going to happen. You ready? I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen. You ready? I'm going to tell you when Christ is coming back. Are you ready? We're closer today than we were yesterday. He said, amen. Okay, now watch this now. I don't know when that's going to happen. I want to live as if it's going to happen soon. I want to plan and disciple and train as if it's not going to happen for a thousand years. That's my my motto of life. It might happen today. It's a cloudy day. Wouldn't it be great if we were ready? There's birth pangs. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's more earthquakes than we've ever had combined. There's more earthquakes now that are happening around the world. And it's amazing. Uh, 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 It's amazing stuff. So the first one is define your terms. The second D is decipher the times. So I'm going to stop there. There's a lot more in Scripture. If you're interested in talking to me afterwards, we can talk about a little bit more. I love doing that stuff. The third D in this message is we need to figure out now that we're going to delight in the suffering. Now, we had this guy on the football field against the best team we're going to play that year. He was an all-conference tight end. I was the, the big defensive end guy in the conference, so you don't need to know the details. But every time this guy, when the quarterback would change the call when I was watching film, every time he'd move his hand back, Every time when the quarterback changed the call at the line of scrimmage, he would move his hand back. When he would do that, they ran sweep. I saw it on the film. So every time he moved his hand back when we are playing this team, I knew they were going to run sweep. So I called out an animal, an animal, kangaroo, kangaroo, possum. You ever had possum ice cream? Delicious. So uh, uh, wild game banquet. So uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I, just, I don't know what I just said. Okay, so I knew they were going to run sweep. So every time he pulled his hand back, I had the outside leverage on the guy, and I'd take him, and I'd slam him on the ground, and I'd order a pizza and eat a ham sandwich, because I'm a Gentile, and he have ham sandwiches, and I'd wait for the running back to get there. We killed, though. We, we destroyed them. That was their favorite play, just because I watched the film. That's all we're doing this morning. All we're doing this morning is watching the film. Let me just say, I promise you, you're going to suffer. Now, I don't want to scare you with this. You know what I mean? I don't want to scare you with it, but I want to scare you with it. You understand what I'm saying? I don't, but it's good. So let's go on. Listen, if you choose to follow Christ with all of your soul, if you choose to follow Christ with all of your soul, I know I've already said this one time. It's going to cost you everything. If you choose not to, it's still going to cost you everything. The only difference is who gets your everything. Jesus who loves you so much that he died for you. Or Satan who hates your guts and wants you dead. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be spent. Why not be spent rejoicing and suffering? 
Paul, like, he was the man on that. He was beaten 40 lashes minus one five times, shipwrecked three times, beaten three more times with a rod, in danger from rivers, in danger from countrymen, in danger from bandits, in danger from false brothers, in danger in the city, danger in the country, eight different dangers. And he said, I delight in weaknesses and insults and persecutions and sufferings, for when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. That's what Paul said about this stuff. I mean, is there any chance that this plan? The word passion comes from the Latin word patri, P A T R I. Domini patri, bacha, 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 bacha. I was raised in the Catholic Church, so I understand. I understand that. I'm not making fun of Catholics. I love it. I actually speak at Catholic churches. They go, Who's your daddy? Okay, so watch this now. So, so I mean, I, I love speaking in all denominations. I don't care what denomination you are. I understand you guys are like non. Okay, so. So my point here is that, uh, 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 I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? I just went playing squirrel. Some squirrel just ran by. What was I just saying? Say the word potter so I know you know what I was saying. I'm, I know what I was saying. I'm just testing you. You all failed. I have no idea what you're saying. Seriously, read the book of Job. I mean, get a job. Okay, so watch this now. See, see, the word passion comes from the Latin word patri, which literally means in Latin to suffer. My wife, my wife loves to shop. Any other ladies out there love to shop? Let me see your hands. Love to shop. Do you have a mall in Buckley? I was just wondering. Okay, so watch this now. I have no idea. Okay, so here it is. I need to get a witness from the gentleman out there. Anybody, any men out there who hate shopping, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Let me see. Are there no men in the house? I mean, I can't stand shopping. Five, ten minutes in the mall, my right leg goes numb. But my wife, she loves to shop. She can shop all day long and have energy. This is awesome. So for our 20th anniversary, I took her shopping. We were up in Pennsylvania at the time. We were going to a NASCAR race. I'm telling you, my wife is awesome NASCAR. So we were at a NASCAR race, and it's our 20th anniversary. So I said, I'm going to take you shopping. She knows I hate shopping. I mean, even if it's like 75% off three stores down, I'm not walking down there. I don't care. $3 is not that big a deal. Ladies, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to take her shopping. I'm, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to take her shopping. So I saw this sign on the side of the highway there in Pennsylvania, the world's largest something, something, something mall in the world. So I turn in there. We're going to go shopping, sweetheart. I'll give you a hundred bucks, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Which means 300. Okay, so watch this now. In the Greek. So what, what happens is, she, she, we go in there, and this mall is weird. There's nothing inside. I'm looking for the benches. You ever see benches in the middle of malls? There's never any women sitting, just men. So I'm, I'm thinking, where's the, where's the, where's the benches? No, it's all outside. It's an outlet mall. I didn't know what an outlet mall was. What is that? It's pain squared. It's sunburn and shopping. So we come around the corner, and there's a store that says 75% off all inventory. My wife goes, yeah, screaming, dragging. I go, no. It says, Aeropostolica. Aeropostolica. What is it? Say it again. I can't hear you. Aeropostle. Like Nike disciples, Aeropostle. Okay. Okay, so I, I didn't know it was a Nike store, Aeropostle. Okay, so I... I I walk in there. There's 45 teenage girls that look like piranha on a fat couch. Holding the clothes going, ah, it's my precious. And they're going crazy. And I walk in there going, oh, no. It's gonna, I'm going to die in here. 
I saw three three chairs in the middle of the room, three guys sitting there. I'm going, God, uh, you mind if I join you? I sat down. We're all despondent. I don't know what that word means. I have to use it for therapy. We're That's torture. See, that's what passion is. Passion makes suffering look like entertainment. You understand what I mean? What are men passionate about? Give it to me. What do men love? What are we passionate about? Give it to me. Sports, hunting. We'll let a mosquito suck six pounds of blood out of us if the doe's sitting right out there. I'm sorry, the bait. We don't care. Just go ahead, buddy. You can have all the blood you want because I ain't going to move a servitor. Passion. I, when I was a junior in high school, I was six foot three, weighed 135 pounds. Six foot three, 135. Thanks for laughing. I had big curly hair, so I looked like this right here. My nickname was Mop. <laughs> That's horrible. Lanky, garden hose, glass of water, blade. You understand what I'm saying? I had to run around the shower to get wet because the streams would miss me. I had to wear skis so I wouldn't go down the drain. You understand what I'm saying? Like they say in Chick-fil-A, it's my pleasure. So I'm sitting there, I'm going, this is, this is like a, a, a torturous, but between my junior year, I started in football, basketball, baseball, and ran track. Started in all four sports. I don't know how you start in track, but you understand what I'm saying. So I, 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 I uh, between my junior year in high school, my senior in high school, I grew three inches to six, six, and I gained 70 pounds in three months. Just kind of filled out. I couldn't run, but at least I couldn't jump. So it was like even. So watch this now. I got a scholarship to play football in college. I wanted to start as a freshman. So I had to increase my speed. So I had to put a line in the deep part of the sand in Wilmington, North Carolina on the beach. Marked off a quarter mile, put another line in the sand. Put on several pairs of sweatpants, several jackets, several coats. Fill up all my pockets with sand. Big work boots. Stopwatch. Ran quarter mile sprints on the beach at night. For anybody run, runners in here? Runners? Let me see your runners. Any runners? No runners in the entire place here? Oh, I see that hand. Yes. The first one was in 92 seconds. You can walk backwards faster than that. <laughs> Fell down like two, three times. Ran a second time. You know, you ever had a cramp or a stitch? Ran a third time. I'd eaten dinner way too close to proximity to me running. My dinner revisited me. Sometimes like a hose, sometimes like an umbrella. If it's a hose, you can sign your name. Adrian was here. And then acid turns into glassware in the sand. You can drink tea. With your finger out. So, uh, uh, that's disgusting. I'm sorry. Every night I would run until I'd throw up. It's my goal. Wipe my mouth off. Run three more on top of it. What is that called? That's called passion. I would get home from running and tell my buddies I threw up tonight. They go, ha, ha. We'd have a big party about me throwing up. You understand what I'm saying? That's passion. Passion makes suffering look like entertainment. Why are there so few people passionate for Jesus today? I promise you you're going to suffer. But if you suffer for Jesus... You should be calling it entertainment. It's the greatest ever. Is this in the Bible anywhere? Jesus says it, uh, and, 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 or uh, says to, through Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, it's been granted to you. Granted means given or gifted. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe. Belief is a huge gift from God. I mean, it's a huge. When God gave me that gift, my life was changed. Not only to believe, but also to suffer for his name. I promise you, when it says they're going to hand you over to councils, they're going to hand you over to synagogues, and you're going to be beaten, this stuff's going to be real, people. And there's going to be a great apostasy, which means people are going to fall away from the faith. But not if you watch film and know it's coming. If you're tough enough to rejoice in suffering, 
No pain, no. We do that with everything but Christianity, it seems like. Our favorite things that we do. We don't mind the suffering. It's called entertainment. But why not with Christ? That guy held a knife up to my belly one time. and said, you better shut up, man. You better stop telling us about Jesus. The whole gang was surrounding me. I just said, go ahead and cut me. Jesus died for me. Why can't I die for you? I know for a fact that the only chance you ever have of knowing Jesus personally is if you cut me. So I started pushing myself on the knife. I said, you need to cut me. The guy puts the knife away and says, you're weird. I said, don't you want to give me a hug? I don't know why I said that. Gives me a hug and whispers in my ear. Nobody's ever hugged me before. Him and four of his buddies got saved that night. On their knees in that glass-filled parking lot. I'll tell you this right now. You don't understand how powerful you really are. We need to start being men or woe men for the king of the universe. Because he's coming back. That's the third D. Delight and suffering. The fourth D is make a decision. Let's decide what we're going to do here this morning. Because we know Christ is coming back. I don't want to scare you into this decision. But I do want to scare you into this decision. You understand what I mean? I don't want fear to be a reason for you to do something like this. But just know what's going to happen. We're watching film this morning. The guy moved his hand back. He's getting ready to run sweep against us. Let's get out there and order a pizza and smash him when he gets there. I don't know what order the pizza means. But you know what I'm saying. So what is the decision? There's two things that need to happen for a person to be ready for the end times. Number one, you need to be saved. And why would I say that for the 10 o'clock service? I'll say it because I saw this pastor from a large church in southern Atlanta came up to me and said, I grew up in the church. My granddaddy's a pastor. My daddy's a pastor. And I'm a pastor because it's my job. And I need to tell you this right now, sir. I've never given myself to Jesus. I know for a fact I just prayed to receive Christ because it was something my family wanted me to do. But now I realize I've never truly given myself to Jesus. And he starts to weep right in front of me. He gets on his knees. It was a long time ago. Petra was doing the set. His music was moving. His mu- music was moving his hair. And he was sitting on his face in front of the stacks of speakers just praying and weeping. The, his church tripled in size the next year because he gave himself to Christ. A pastor's wife was listening to this message I have called the four chairs. And she started hitting her head on the desk just last couple years ago. Hitting her head on the desk saying, I've never truly given myself to Christ. Why have I not done this? The husband says, what do we need to do? She says, pull over. So I'm 485 around Charlotte, South, uh, North Carolina. And she pull, they pull over. She prays to receive Christ right there. She led 48 people that month to Jesus. They had 48 baptisms. They had 52 people in the church. Then it went to 100. In one month, I did a revival for him this past year, realized that this is the same church. There are 675 people in that church now. This woman had gone crazy. You could tell you're saved by what you talk about. 97% of people go to church today do not talk consistently about Christ. 95% have never led another person to Christ. Are you sure you're saved? So if you're not sure, why wouldn't you this morning say, okay, Lord, I know you're coming back. I want to be ready. I want to be one of the names. Second thing that needs to happen is you need to love Jesus more than air. This thing that I'm getting ready to quote was written by an African pastor, we think, when he was burned alive in his home. They found it in his Bible. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. Most people have a line in their lives. I'll go this far for Jesus. I won't go any further. I've stepped over the line. I'm over the line. The decision has been made. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. 
My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, or dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, positions, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or, re- or rewarded. And I'll live by faith, lean on his presence, lift by prayer, labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal heaven, my way rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be compromised. Detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. Hesitate in the presence of the adversary. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. Ponder to pull the popularity or meander in a maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up. Until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I must go till he comes. Preach till all know. Work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, when the rapture happens, I want my banner to be clear. That's my boy. Or that's my girl. The real question is, is, do you love God? So we have two parts of the invitation this morning. Invitation number one is going to be, mm, do you want to be saved? Saved from what? Saved from my sin, from lying, cheating, gossiping, lusting. Lord, I'm sorry, I've been a jerk. I want to be saved from hell for what I deserve for that stuff. If you break one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of breaking all of them. For goodness sake, all of us have done that. God, I'm sorry, I want to give you control of my life. If, you've tr- if you're not sure you've done that, given yourself to Jesus, then this morning, get ready for the tribulation. It's a great time to do it. <laughs> Eternity is way too long to be where you don't want to be. The second invitation is going to be for people in the room who want to say, you know what, God? I want to love you more than air. Tired of being some kind of candy sissy face for Jesus. Can I get an amen from any of the guys in the house? Let's pray. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd pour out your spirit here, and this would be full of your spirit. Please, Papa, I know the only way possible is if you do it. We love you. Now, with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, except for the church staff, I want you to have your eyes open, please. But the rest of your eyes closed and heads bowed. How many of you would like to say this morning that you want to believe in God you want to say to Jesus you know what Lord I want to be saved I want to be forgiven of my sins I'm not 100% sure I've ever truly done that before I've been going through the motions for almost all of my life in church out of church but tonight this I mean sorry this morning I want to give myself to God same with the people watching online if you want to give yourself to God right now Just raise your hand right where you are. Let me see your hands. Raise them up high. Raise them up high. Don't be afraid of what people think. Raise your hands up high. Raise them up high. Online, raise them up high. Let me see your hands. Raise them up high. You got 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six. I think there's more hands that need to go up. Just put your hand up if you'd like to say to God, I want to give you my life. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Good. Put your hands down. Right where you are. Keep your heads bowed and you pray to God, Lord God Almighty, I'm sorry about my sins. I've been such a jerk. Please forgive me. And I want to give you control of my life. Pray it right now. While they're praying, I want you to consider, would you be willing to say, I want to love Jesus more than air? For the rest of you, would you, like to, would you be willing to say that? 
I want to love Jesus more than ever. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you don't. Doesn't mean you do. It's just an attitude. It's what I want. Attitude is everything when it comes to this. All of you look up here at me real quick. I just want to do it this way. This is going to be a little bit weird. Sorry. I would like for you to stand up one at a time. And if you're interested, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen of you. Stand up one at a time. Maybe a hundred of you. Don't know. I don't know you guys. I know that man, but I, don't, I know he's poured into you, and I know you're ready for this. I want you to stand up and say out loud, I want to love Jesus more than air. If you're interested, then sit back down. And then sit back down after you say it. It's okay if we stand up five at a time. It's okay. Ten seconds. Come on. Come on. Come on. Five seconds. These are evangelistic seconds. Really long. And you have a baby that's so awesome. Four. Come on. Three. Two. One. One half. Just kidding. How many of you wanted to say it, but we ran out of time? Raise your hand if you wanted to say it, but we raise your hand up if you wanted to say it, but we ran out of time. All you guys, tons of you, all you guys who had your hands up, stand up right now together. Stand up right now. Hurt you. Stand up right now together. Say it out loud together at the same time. Say it. Go. Say it. Say it again. Go. One more time. Go. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we love you. You're the best in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, I love you guys. <laughs>